0: Praise God. Thank you. Chris and Greg worship team and band and choir. Praise God. We're going to finish up Acts 27, go through 1 through 10 and 28, the end of 27. Pastor Floyd said he had to come back next week to find out what happened and hopefully you read that already, but the boat goes down. They see land. They're hoping they can get there. They move the boat towards the land. They hit some shallow water. The front of the boat sticks. The back of the boat gets bombarded with waves. It begins to break apart. The soldiers say, we need to kill the prisoners because they're going to swim safely to shore, then escape. Commanding officer says no. He wants to spare Paul's life. So the commanding officer orders those who can swim to jump overboard first make for land the others to hold on to planks or debris from the broken ship and, and make it safely there And we're gonna read one through six starting in verse 28 once we were safe on shore we learned that we were on the island of Malta the people of the island were very kind to us it was cold and rainy so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us as Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand And the people of the island started hanging from his hand and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. And the people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. I have a short, just give me a short message, and then the worship team will come back in a little bit. But the title of the message is Shaking the Devil into the Fire. Shaking the devil into the fire. See, the Apostle Paul sees a great spiritual victory at the end of Acts chapter 27. He's told to be quiet. Nobody wants to listen to him. And then he begins to lead people, what Pastor Floyd hinted to last Sunday, which is a communion. He's praying with people on that ship. People make it safely to shore. But how many of you know that after a spiritual victory, snakes come out to bite? Snakes driven out by the heat, and as we continue to seek for the fire of the Holy Spirit, as we continue to seek God, for the Holy Spirit to fill us, to use us, to empower us, the enemy doesn't like that. The Apostle Paul is adding wood to the fire. He's adding wood, and the poisonous snake comes out and bites him. Now, they do two things, the people on the island here. They condemn him first. And so, after spiritual victory, when the snakes come out, condemnation usually comes with it. But how many know Satan condemns, but God keeps? Condemnation comes out. He says, murderer, no doubt. You know what's interesting is they got that right. They were right. And they said justice wouldn't let him live. Now, that justice there is actually a false god. They thought, uh, they believed that a goddess of justice was chasing him down onto that island. But I want to remind you in John chapter 9, you don't have to turn there. First three verses, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples, asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his, par- or, or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. And so spiritual victory happens, condemnation comes. But how many of you know that even though that life may fall apart like that boat, God says it's not going to end that way. So the power of God could be seen in and through our lives. But the next thing that happens to the Apostle Paul is that there's temptation to touch the glory. There's temptation to touch the credit, to take the credit, to take the glory. And so they, they give up on condemning him and they wait around for a while to see what's going to happen to him. And, and so, just like in a few chapters before with the governor Felix, when the apostle Paul's preaching to him, he says, Come back in a more convenient time, Paul. And over a two year span, the Bible says that Felix hoped that Paul would bribe him. He would call for him once in a while because if he bribes him, the testimony's done. And then maybe governor Felix doesn't need to listen to the truth anymore. At least in his mind. So the temptation's there to touch the glory, but we know the word of God says that God will not share his glory with another. But they're watching. They're watching for a long time. They're watching to see if he's going to die, if he's going to swell up, what the outcome's going to be as he was bit by the snake. And when the world watches us and how we respond to pain and sees a supernatural strength, we get to give glory to God. Hebrews 12:27 to 29 says, this means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe for our God is a devouring fire. Paul was unshakable. Paul was unshakable not because of his own strength or his own efforts or because of his training or background or anything like that. He was unshakable because he's in Christ. And if we're in Christ Jesus in this place, that makes us unshakable. Though the world will shake, though the world will fall apart as we see all around us, God makes his promise that he will finish what he started in our lives. And the apostle Paul in Acts 28 verse 5, it says, Paul shook the snake off into the fire and was unharmed. But I could imagine that that bite probably still hurt. There's some of us in here, we keep fighting and we keep fighting in pain and we go through painful seasons. We go through painful seasons at home and with family and with careers and with finances and with health and other different things that we go through. The bite is still there, but the promise of God is we will remain unharmed. And He makes a choice to worship and we make a choice to worship. Some of us came in this morning, we made a choice to enter into those songs, a choice to worship. Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6 says, those who plant in tears. How many of you sometimes, maybe you're in a season now, you're planting in tears. It's hard. Maybe you don't like what happened last night. Maybe you don't know if everyone came home this morning. But you're planting in tears. But the promise of God is we will harvest with shouts of joy. They will weep as they go to plant their seed. But they will sing as they return with the harvest. They will sing. As they return with the harvest. See folks, we can sing to a God that we don't know. But we can't worship a God that we don't know. You can sing. You can follow the words on the screen. You can turn on any radio, any playlist. And you can follow along. But you can't worship a God that you don't know. Acts 27:39 says, When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they can get to shore by running to ship aground. And there's some people... In this room, you come into a building like this, you come into a, a church service, and hope looks like it's in the distance. And hope is, it, it, it's a vague picture of what hope looks like, just like they did. They saw something in the distance. They didn't recognize that coast, but they said, Hey, we're going to give up everything to give it a shot. We're going to go in that direction, and maybe it's going to work. And there's some of you that are sitting in here in this building this afternoon, and you say, Hey, I don't know. Hope is, looks like it's in the distance. And I'm not sure about this Jesus thing, because it may cost me to give up everything I have. Yes, that's right. The old boat will fall apart, but the wood will get you safely to shore. And so we have a little bit more of the message, but I told you it wasn't long. And I'm going to ask the question before we can move on, because I don't want anyone to miss out on the... A wonderful privilege we have as believers in just a couple of minutes. And so you may be in this place and hope is still at a distance. You see the person getting excited next to you when they worship. And you don't know their story. They may not have it all together. They, they, they may, their family may not be all together, but they still come in lifting their hands. They still come in opening up their mouth, and they still come in trusting in God. and so with our heads up and our eyes open before we move on i want to ask the question if you're in this place and you've never surrendered your life to jesus we're not talking about just believing in something in your mind we're not talking about just coming to church and saying yeah that's how i was raised and we're talking about he's master i'm slave he's lord I'm his child. I'm a sinner. I need to be forgiven. I need to, re- there's, there's no salvation without repentance. Jesus is one of his first words in the gospels was repent and believe. It's a turning from the way we're living. It's an actual turning from the sin and it's a turning to see our need for a savior. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to change the lyrics to amazing grace oh, okay. to get rid of a wretch like me. We are in need of a Savior. And so before we go on to anything else, I want to ask you a very simple, simple question. But I'll tell you, for some of you, it's going to be very difficult because it looks like, how can I get to something I can't get to? And what if everything falls apart? Well, let me tell you something. Without Jesus, it's already falling apart. He died on the cross for your sin. He loves you. He knows you better than anybody else. He can touch the part of the heart that no human can touch. He's willing to wipe your whole slate clean. He's willing to give you hope and assurance of salvation and living forever in heaven. And so before we move on, I just want to ask the question, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and you would like to, just raise your hand wherever you are. I want to pray with you. Are there any hands in this place that would say, I want to give... My life to Jesus. Just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to do anything like that. We're looking. We take our time. If you're in this place, we had four, one memorial, and three funerals this week. Time is like this, and it's for eternity. And so I ask one more time, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and you would like to, just raise your hand and I want to pray with you. Praise God. Those of you that, the person that raised their hand, and if anybody else should have, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender to you. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for trying to be God. I believe you died for me and rose from the dead. And so I'm opening up my heart to you and I surrender my life to you. Jesus, You're all mine, and I'm all yours. I live for you now, in Jesus' name. Now listen, church, Genesis 49, verse 8 says this, Judah, you will grasp your enemies by the neck. Does anyone know what the name Judah means? Thank God. It means praise. See, the title of the message is shaking the devil into the fire. We have to open our mouths. We have to praise God, not just in this house, but in our houses and in our cars and in our cubicles and on the subway. And as we commute and as we walk through a mall and as we walk through a grocery store, the Bible says to sing and make music in our heart to the Lord sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It's a weapon, which we'll talk about in a moment. But let's substitute the name Judah with praise. Praise will grasp your enemies by the neck. And last time I checked, when somebody's getting choked, it's pretty hard for them to speak. And so when the enemy begins to lie, sometimes, and in seasons, our worship needs to be louder than the voice of the attack. The Bible calls it shouts of praise. Now I want to tell you that there's some of you in this room, you know how to shout. Some of you shouted on the way to church. Some of the men in this room on Sundays, you shout at a TV at other men that can't hear you. You know how to shout, we're actually created to shout. It's not a Pentecostal thing, it's not a Baptist thing, it's not a Methodist thing, it's not a white thing or a black thing or any other thing, it's a Bible thing. We're created to shout to the Lord. We're created to lift our voice in praise. And if you don't believe me, why do you think it's been so hard to do it? The enemy would love to shut our mouths. We have to shake off the lies of the enemy, the lies that God has let us down, the lies that God has forgotten us. Even though everything that we know is civility, if you've been alive for the last five to ten years, you know things are changing fast. And even though it's crumbling around us, we need to shake off the lie that God won't get us where he wants to get us. We use our weapons of faith, the weapons of faith of the word of God and prayer. But there's another weapon called worship. And we're talking about singing. as another weapon about opening your mouth. There's a reason why a killer named David in the Bible, man, and you want to talk about a tough man, you're talking about a man who killed thousands upon thousands. A warrior for God wrote pretty much the first music songbook there is. There's a reason he knew how to open his mouth in worship. He knew where his strength would come from. He could grab a man by the neck, but he can grab a harp with another hand at the same time and sing to a Lord that he loved. And so we're called to worship. We're called to shake off the lies. And God gives us a word or a promise, and he promises to get us there. It may not look anymore like we thought it would, but he's still going to get us there. And when you go through a shipwreck, because folks, the Bible tells us that the rain comes down on the just and the unjust. And as the world falls apart and we get to the other side, it's not so the Apostle Paul didn't go there to lay on the beach. He went there to serve. 7 through 10 tells us there were many sick people and God began to heal them. They were a public testimony in that place. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. Young Jewish children would take a reed stick and they would use it as an instrument And if you blew into the reed stick, it would make a musical sound. The problem was if the stick was a little bent, the stick broke, guess what they used to do to the stick? they throw it out. But you know there's a verse in the Bible that says, a bruised reed I will not crush. A bruised reed I will not break. He's not going to discard a bruised reed because there's some of you in this place, you have been bitten. Now at the end, God's gonna finish the work he started with you, but we're walking around with like a snake on our hand, if I could put it that way. And we've been bitten and it hurts. But when God takes that reed stick and he breathes life back into that reed stick, and the song comes back out of that stick, it's just like you and I, that God can breathe a fresh wind into our lives. He can give us a new song. The Bible talks about a new song. Some of us, we need to put away the old songs, the old words, the old labels, the old lies, and we need to begin to open up our mouth and use this weapon. Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 4, Jesus quoted from here. He said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released. And prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes. A joyous blessing instead of mourning. A festive praise instead of despair. And in their righteousness, as we choose to live by the power of the Holy Spirit God's way, we will be like great oaks. That the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins. Repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them. Though they have been deserted for many generations. See Isaiah 61 gives us a very interesting pattern. You have comfort. You have freedom. You have healing. And at the end of those first four verses. You have God using a people. But there's something in between. The thing that's in between is worship. The thing that's in between, now God can touch us and God can forgive us. But we need to begin to open our mouths. We need to begin to worship the Lord. We need to begin to lift our hands. We need to begin to to move our feet and open up our hearts. Because that worship that's in the middle there, it comes before being used. God will use them powerfully and mightily. It's what it shows us in these four verses of Isaiah 61. And some of you know the verse by this, the oil of joy for mourning and a garment of praise in exchange for the spirit of heaviness. You may be in this place and you are struggling with suicidal thoughts. Let me tell you something, you can shake that into the fire. You may be wondering if you're any good, if there's a purpose for your life, if you're a mistake. Wondering if he didn't get through tomorrow, you can shake that into the fire. He gives us, he takes a spirit of heaviness away, and he gives us, it's a festive praise. It's a festive praise. I don't know about you, and maybe this is not the same testimony, but I have a feeling it's probably many of you, just like me. Folks, this some of us, we used to stay up all night long in clubs, dancing. Some of us used to spend all our, our time and energy looking for somebody in a club that you couldn't even see. And some of you stayed long enough for the lights to come on and you really found out you shouldn't have been there. But seriously, and then we come to church and it's like our feet are frozen. When was the last time you worshipped so hard you sweat? When was the last time I preached everything I had that there was nothing left? When was the last time we came into the house of God and we lifted up our hands? We didn't care if we hit the person next to us. When was the last time we just gave God everything? Everything. See, the devil and demons go to church. You got to hear this. The devil... And demons go to church too, but they don't like the fire. Three Hebrew boys refused to bow to the music. They refused to bow to the culture. They refused to bow to the customs, the, what's around them. And because of that, they were sent into a fire. They were sent into a fiery furnace. And the fire was so hot that the king's own soldiers died when he put him in there. But the Bible tells us they were bound up when they went in. They were chained up. Some of us come into church services, and, 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 and forgive me if it sounds harsh, but some of us are bound up some of us our mouths open just a little bit we can get it out and we get seasons like that where that's all we got but how many know that god can take those chains he can break them he can make our hands lift up he can make our feet move he can move in our hearts if we give them room to do that they were bound when they went in but the bible says when they were in the fire they were walking around maybe they were worshiping maybe they were worshiping they were going back and forth and pacing Maybe they're singing songs. It's your breath in my lungs. I don't know what they were singing. And then the Bible doesn't say that Satan was in the fire. The dead snakes don't like the fire. Jesus was in the fire. Jesus was in the fire. Jesus was in the fire. Jesus is in the fire with us. And when he's in there with us, we have a song. Satan can lie from the outside. He can shout from outside the fire. David Wilkerson used to pray a prayer, God, put a wall of holy fire around my mind and burn every lie that comes in. Every lie, burn it up. I shared it last week and would you stand with me? Lions don't belong in cages. Lions don't belong in cages. If you are a born-again Christian, there's a lion living inside of you. And he roars a whole lot louder than the enemy's voice, but you gotta let him loose. Some of us, we cage them inside. We got to let it loose. We got to let them flow through us. Let our hands no longer be bound and we lift them. That we no longer feel like we have the inability to even move our feet. Some of us, we, 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 we lost all dignity in the clubs. We were sweating and... We, we, we looked a mess by the time we got home and it was a shameful night and all those different things and then all of a sudden we get saved and we come to church and we get this, this thought that we need to look like this. There's times to look like that. But folks, if you can dance, give God your dance. If you can shout, give him your shout. If you got hands to lift up, you lift them up. Because it may be all we have. When everything else gets stripped away and everything else that can be shaken. But they weren't stealing those boys. They weren't stealing their praise. You shake the devil into the fire. Hebrews 12, 28 to 29. we We're going to close with this verse. Let us be thankful and please God. By worshiping him with holy fear and awe. So, in the first service, there's some instruments, and thank God we heard him today, but I think there's some instruments that left the church. And I'm not just talking here, I'm talking just in general. The instruments of our hands, the instruments of our feet, the instruments of our shout, and our hearts. You know, I, I've read that verse before. Our God is a devouring fire. Our God is a devouring fire, consuming fire. And I would say, Lord, I, I, how? Because when you shake the snake into it, he devours every lie. When you shake the lies into it, he devours it. When, when the enemy is telling you that you have no future, And the enemy's telling you that this is it for your family. It's too late, parents. You've you've gone too far and there's nothing else you can do. You shake that snake right into the fire. You shake it into the fire. The altar call's not in the front today. Next Sunday when you come back, you're probably going to sit in the same seat you're sitting in now or close to it. And next Sunday, you're going to have to lift your hands. And next Sunday, we're going to move our feet. And next Sunday, we'll clap. And next Sunday, we'll shout. And we're not going to wait for a worship team to tell us. And so we're going to practice now. We're going to shake the devil into the fire. Now, if you want to to come to the front, that's up to you. Whether you sit in the balcony or in the front, we have an opportunity to fight. We have an opportunity to fight. They gave Greg a mic. You know what, maybe we can start with you deserve it. Maybe we could start there. And we're not rushing. Let me tell you if a small group of college kids can get together and And they can wait on the Lord and see what He happens. What's the rush? Shake it off. Don't come in with the same, don't leave with the same thinking. Those of you that may be struggling in your mind, shake it off. Put it in the fire. The doubts in the fire, the unbelief in the fire, the fears in the fire. But let it out. Let the lion out balcony. People in the bleachers, people on the main floor, those online, let it out we're going to worship we we said we're going to fight back to back there's nothing more I can do you can lead us